So I tend to send out our show announcements using the Apple podcast link because I happen to have an iPhone and I use Apple podcasts and you've been making a lot of jokes about being rich and I just want to know what's up with that. So uh, not everyone can afford a fancy iPhone like you've got. Um, That said, I'm currently using an iPhone because we had uh, my daughter was given a phone by a friend and so her iphone se which is what like four or five years old became available for me to use which allows me to do like a group text with my six-year-old because he's got a um old apple device that he plays on so it's not that i'm anti-apple it's just i mean let's be honest not everyone has a thousand dollars to spend on a phone some of us will spend a 100 bucks or get a hand-me-down or go on ebay and get like a used phone um but you know Living it up the life of luxury. You Android people are worse than vegans. It's got nothing to do with whether or not I have a whole bunch of money because it's not like I plop down the entire cost of this phone. I'm on an installment plan, even with all of this amazing podcast cash that we're raking in. <laughs> it's It's got to do with ease of use. I'm not some crazy techno nerd. That's going to go through 37 Reddit streams to figure out how to get to my contacts. I just want to be able to touch a button and it works. So I think my thought is why send out a post that only goes to a small portion of the population versus something like Spotify. The Spotify. Now, I mean, what am I made of money? Please. Isn't it free? <laughs> I think for the most part. Soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right. Welcome to season two, episode seven of Soccer Chat. I am Alex Fordney. And I'm Adam Bruce. And we are brought to you by our friends at the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. And hopefully very soon we will be brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts Snacking Bacon. I can't think of anything that is more tailored to the uh, the two podcasters than Dunkin' Donuts Snacking Bacon. Is that really a thing? I haven't seen it. Yes, I don't, I don't know that it's gotten wide release, but I have seen commercials for it coming out. And I don't know, maybe someone gave me an early April Fool's joke. And, uh, but that's, I, I've seen it advertised. I am rooting for that to be real. <laughs> actively rooting <laughs> for that to be real. So I'll put bacon on literally anything. Like I, I like bacon wrap stuff. I like bacon on my pizza. Like I, anywhere. April only, my wife only wants it like as a breakfast thing like she'll have a blt but like anything else like she doesn't want bacon added to things like she doesn't like bacon on a burger i was looking through like i had this like grilling book that i got a couple christmases ago and i was going through it and they had bacon wrapped hot dogs which looked amazing and she's like yeah. i would not want that i'm like there's something wrong with you because it's bacon I don't understand why anyone would ruin perfectly good bacon with a tomato, but that's a whole nother case. <laughs> We're here to talk about the Chattanooga Red Wolves. And there's actually quite a bit to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So we're going to start first uh, breaking down Friday afternoon's preseason game, which I managed to get to attend. Please don't tell my boss. Um. We'll go first with uh, our bad news, good news segment. It's not bad news, is it? You know, I can't take bad news. The day started out so good. Had a good night's sleep. Had a good BM. I don't want to hear any bad news. Now, what type of news is it? Well, to be perfectly frank, it's bad. Ah, oh, great. It appears the team has kind of been bit by the injury bug. So we, of course, have Stephen Beatty, who is rehabbing a knee injury. It's it's sounding kind of a 50-50 shot as to whether or not he will be ready to go at the uh, season kickoff. Uh, we have Nico Amponsa, unfortunately, is out for quite a bit of time with a lower leg injury. Those are all the details I have for that. 
Um, Adam, brace yourself. Are you are you on the first floor of your house? I am. Okay. Are you sitting down? I, I yeah. Okay. I'm afraid Greg Hurst also may not be back by the first game of the season in Greensville. Oh, come on. That's not cool. Yeah. As well as lots of other guys that um so this in this preseason game there were quite a few who did not play. I think some of them were more precautionary like if this was an actual league game with points on the line, they might have played and gone out there or been available as substitutes. Um, but we didn't see any of Walefi Dos Reis, Jonathan Ricketts, uh, Nikos Petas. Um, who else am I thinking that didn't? There was Travis Nicklaw did not play. Um, so it's, it's been hard. And at the end of that preseason game, too, unfortunately, uh, Ronaldo Pineda, who I keep wanting to call Rolando, I'm just going to have to apologize to him in advance. Um, but Ronaldo Pineda left before halftime. He had gotten fouled fairly hard. Um, Did it mess his hair up? Walked around, no, his, his hair was about the only thing I think that wasn't hurting. Okay, um, But he subbed out early. Is just, you know, and there again, I think it may have been kind of a precautionary thing, but the worst was watching Isaiah Dargan leave on crutches. He had taken a hard foul as well that seemed to kind of roll his ankle in the second half. Um, so hopefully that was a precaution thing and some rest and some ice and he's good to go and has been in training here this last week. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a bit of an injury bug and uh, it made for kind of a hard flow to that preseason game because there was guys playing in positions they don't normally play. So you saw Josue Soto playing a defensive midfielder, which I don't think is the best use of his talents. He had kind of a quiet match. Didn't make any huge glaring errors, but you just kind of didn't see a lot of him getting involved um, because he may have kind of felt out of place, Uh, as well as Hmm. Carter Doyle starting at center back. Um, He actually played really well. And after the game, I walked up to him and said, man, that was kind of, surprising to to see you play in center back and you did really well and he said yeah i know it was surprising for me too so i don't think it was the sort of thing that's happening all the time they needed to be able to field a team and so they put him there so i mean you basically named our whole defense when you're going through who's been hit by an injury bug um do you think i mean you mentioned uh, he's you know you've got some players with some seasoning in in do you think that's what we're going to see is some players maybe playing slightly out of position that he has trust won't make a huge error? Or are you thinking more, like you said earlier, like if it was, if we were in an actual game that, that counted towards the, the standings, we would have seen a normal defender back there that may have been held out. What do you think is more likely? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking someone like Travis Nikla, who does have quite a bit of experience. Um, Leo Falla, I think you're going to yeah see a more experienced um, defender playing in that position. Um, it may have just been something where he thought, hey, let's let's try this and see what happens. And he can keep it in his back pocket. I, like I said, I was incredibly surprised with how well he played. He was very poised. He did a good job distributing the ball from the back and getting the attack started. Um, but I would say first choice, they're going to want his experience helping some of the younger players that are going to be playing on the attacking side of the field. Well, and the one thing I will say that, that he's somewhat referenced in the past is that when they're down one nothing and it's getting later in a half, he's going to put more aggressive lineups out there to try to get a to get a to get that goal back. He'd rather lose two nothing than um than lose one nothing and feel like he didn't go for it. Um right. and I wonder if having someone like the more of an attacking type player that he knows he can put in there will allow him to let them be more risky because they're going to have an offensive mindset. And maybe he's just trying to see what would that look like? Which players can he trust to do that? And, you know, this is going to be the Arsenal in me coming out, but I think of a a young guy like Saka for Arsenal, who's they've been, who's all through his youth career. He's only 18, all through his youth career had played a forward position, a striker position has been playing left back for Arsenal for the last two plus months. 
and frequently he's overlapping and in the offense. Um, and I'm wondering if, if it's just a situation where he wants to see who can he trust when he says, hey, I'm putting you in, be offensive minded, yeah. but don't don't do anything stupid. So maybe it's useful. Maybe that's he just saw it as an opportunity. But that many injuries is is worrisome. So let me ask you this, um, you know, going from the worrisomeness of the injuries, we did get a chance to see a lot of the other players. Um, wh- I wasn't there for this game. What was your impression of those players? Is Were they strong or were you seeing um, areas for opportunity for growth or anything like that? Yeah, so we had a couple. Um, I, I would say, you know, there's been a lot of talk of the Pineda Sants. Um, I feel like in this game, Ami Pineda, the ball was a little sticky at his feet. You could hear Coach Obleda and other players talking about trying to get the ball moving and get it ping-ponging quick passes. Um, And so I think he's got a little bit of work there and maybe having a more experienced player playing alongside him. In this match, he had uh, his, his cousin, Ronaldo Pineda, playing alongside him as kind of the attacking midfielder. Um. So I think he had a little work that he needed to do. Like I said, Josue Soto in that defensive midfielder had kind of a quiet game. I think that had a lot to do with just kind of it not being a natural position. The more that I think of his talents, I think he's best as someone who can get out on, out on the wing and whip in crosses. Uh, he's very good at that. Um, I think Isaiah Dargan showed a lot of youth. Um he was there and he was working hard and you could see that he was trying to listen to the older teammates and folks that were coaching him. Um, but I would say he was, he was a little, a little lost out there. Wasn't always in exactly the right position. Didn't quite know when he needed to move forward or when he needed to drop back. Um, so there, there's a little room for growth there with him as well. Um, I think what you're normally going to see maybe is more of the Jonathan Ricketts in that position as kind of the starting player. Um, those were really the main ones. You know, there was some decent chances that didn't get finished. And the message that I got from Coach Obleda talking to him immediately after the game is, you know, a 3-1 game against Dalton State is just not good enough. Um, now, to be fair, they were creating a whole lot more chances than you than a typical Red Wolves team from last season. But the fact that they were not finishing them, you know, a game that probably should have been a five, six, nothing slaughter was a three, one. Um, it took some time. In fact, there was a period where it was one to one because Dalton scored on a, a 50 yard speculative shot that the wind, it was a very windy day and the wind pushed it. And Tim Trill misjudged it I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't punish him too hard for for that kind of misplay um it was disappointing it snuck in under the bar um but it was one-to-one and everyone's head was kind of in their hands going what's going on here guys and uh pretty quickly they managed to come back and and get it back so all right well there's got to be some good news why don't we turn to the good news good news everyone Uh uh-oh I don't like the sound of that so First off, we kind of talked a little bit already about Connor Doyle playing in the center of defense. I thought he did a great job. Um, Leo Falla came in, played left back. He replaced Uchenna Uzo, who impressed me again, uh, playing on that left side. I think that's a perfect spot for him to be playing when they've got other kind of central defender players like Leo Falla, like. And Ponsa, hopefully, when he gets healthy later in the season, Jason Ramos played pretty well. Um, they have Nick, Nikos Pettis that can play center center in the defense. Um, so I think there's a – oh, and Travis Nikla, of course. So I think Uche is going to be a fantastic player on the left wing, but I was really surprised to watch Leo. I told my wife over the offseason that I thought he was pretty much only a, a center back. Based on kind of his build, he's real tall, very good at winning balls in the air. Um, but he did a great job combining with Eamon Zide and uh, Mark Hernandez over on the left wing, um, you know, trying to put into the attack. Um, he got, I guess, kind of like a hockey assist in springing Eamon, who then made a pass to Ricardo Zacharias for the second goal of the match. 
So um, before we go on to anyone else, I, you brought up Mark Hernandez. How did he look out there? Uh, he had another couple just absolutely dirty moves, dribbling the ball, um, glued to his foot. And so hopefully those are going to start leading to goals scored. And that's going to be some awesome Instagrammable highlight reels. Um, I don't know. He strikes me as kind of a the guy who's going to be that change of pace, speedy off the bench player. Um, he played a full 90 and was not terrible. He had a couple chances that he probably should have finished. Um, you know, that's where those young guys have got to step up and got to put the ball in the back of the net. But he, again, was very impressive. Um, the one that I would say, though, I'm going to I'm going to mark this down. And uh, y- if I'm wrong, you guys are going to get free subscription to this podcast next season. Ricardo Zacharias is going to be a star. I was very impressed with him um scored two goals in this match one of them was a penalty um he had he probably should have had a hat trick and probably should have had a couple of assists honestly so if that rounds into form i think him as the central forward with greg hurst and stephen beatty on either side of him with ami Pineda, connor doyle as players attacking around him i think he's going to be quite a force there's a lot of we had last year a lot of breakout players came from League One. Um, you know, everybody talks specifically about um Pepe and the fact that, you know, he just got his first professional goal for MLS this uh last weekend, but like there were other players as well that may not have had the notoriety that Pepe had as a sixteen year old coming to the league and to see someone like Ricardo Zacharias be able to become that would be excellent. Yeah, I just his uh, his ability, he was jumping passes and causing turnovers. You know those things that used to happen to the Red Wolves all the time where we were <laughs> playing so deep and they would steal the ball and be right there to create the chance. He's creating those opportunities. Um and so it's going to lead to quite some quite exciting games, especially you know when he's got ex- more experienced players who are going to help put those chances away when he creates them. So All right, well it was uh you know, it wasn't just that pre the preseason game that we had this uh, past week. A lot of uh, information coming from the Red Bulls, more than we've probably gotten all offseason. Uh, you know, it, it could be argued that there were three major announcements in the last week. Um, why don't we start with what they would probably consider the biggest, which is uh, some information on the stadium. Yeah, they had uh announcement on Thursday partnering with CHI Memorial Healthcare as the uh, naming partner for the stadium. So it's going to be CHI Memorial Stadium at the uh, new place in Eastridge. And that's a, that's a, a really good get for them. That is not a, uh, that is not kind of a, an unknown or a company you've never heard of or even a smaller company that's a pretty big deal like if you look at what chi has done they've done that similar naming stuff in other cities so to see them mm-hmm. look at the stadium and say this is what we want to put our name on i think is a is a big deal and i don't know that we're making a big enough deal out of it because there were other stadiums here in the chattanooga area that uh, they could in theory be putting their name on and they instead have put their name on this uh, I'm not saying that those other ones have opened up and they turned it down, but it's a big deal to me that they're saying this is something that we want to be attached to. And in within their press release, they they talk specifically about uh, the Rebels, but they also talk about a lot of the other stuff that the stadium's going to be doing in the community, the the what it's already doing for along with some of the uh, Exit One properties that have come in with near Camp Jordan to really revitalize right. Eastridge, um, but. Talk about they they mentioned it being year used year round for, uh, for concerts and other events and such. So you know I'm in, intrigued to see what ultimately that ends up looking like, and I, I think this is a great sign for the stadium. So along with that, um, Bob Martino was in town to make the announcement. Uh, a lot of people may have watched on Facebook Live. Um, I'm not one of those salary people, so I didn't get to watch it on Facebook Live, but I did watch it later. 
And this salary guy was in meetings for five straight hours. So I didn't find out until I'm catching up on all the uh, do not disturb text messages I had from friends and, and from my wife about, about the announcement. So it's not, it's not all, it's not all sunshine for us salary people. In any case, um, at uh, Academy practice with my son, Bob Martino showed up and mixed with uh, parents and went to say hey to some players and shook hands with all the coaches who were there, uh, which was a really cool thing for him to come and, and talk with a lot of the Academy families and talk about the big news and just, you know, w- what they've seen in the Academy and stuff. Um, when I had a chance to talk with him, I-, I put it as direct as possible talking about how the construction was going and if things were on track and they didn't give me a definite yes. They also made it sound like they are in no way past a point of no return where we're not going to be opening up April 25th against Richmond in the stadium. So some of the things that they told me were a they're they're getting an extra hour of daylight They are actually bringing in lights so that people can continue to work after dark in the area. Uh, They said that some of the seating has been delivered. So if you're, you know, if you're driving by on I-75, you may see that start to crop up. Um, They're about to put the turf out. I believe this week they're going to have the turf laid out where the stadium is. Um, we drove by this weekend and you could tell there was a lot that has been added to, um, you know, kind of the apron or concourse, I guess, concrete that's been poured and some walls that are starting to go up that I think are going to be part of the, uh, you know, the clubhouse, the player locker rooms and things like that. And the most heartening thing, Adam, as we drove by on sunny Saturday afternoon, there were people at the site working. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, even through the rain, they've been working. Like there've been trucks moving and, and movement over there, even through all this rain. Uh, right. That said, it's it's not getting any better. Like I was looking at the forecast; it it's basically <laughs> forecasting all next week rain. If it's not above fifty percent any single day, but there's no like sunshine for three or four straight days. So, right, um, that's really the thing that I think is just, you know, as much as as I give them a hard time for not telling us it's it's modular, which it seems like they're letting us know it's modular by the fact that they're saying seats have been delivered. But um, as much as I give them a hard time for that, the reason they were not going to hit their open date at this point would only be the rain. I think, I think they, yes. and it's, we're at twice as much rain as you would normally have at this point in the year. It's like six or seven inches more. So it's not a small amount that we've been sitting in. I mean, uh, April and I went down to the riverfront the other day. I think it was, I don't know. It may have been Sunday, and we're looking at like the lines of where the water was at the riverfront. It's yeah. incredible, like how high the river was, um, and that's a you know that's controlled by damming. Like to be building in an area that uh, was legitimately like wetland protected area that they they had to get special permits and all kinds of stuff to be building within. For them to continue and feel like there's a chance of them hitting it is huge. The other thing that's kind of huge here is this is one of the big most rains I can remember in the last 10 years to happen in a three-month span. And you know that if they were having flooding issues for the Eastridge area like everyone claimed they were going to create, um, it would have been everywhere. On the news everywhere, it would have been on some CFC drone showing all the impact. That's a good sign that they did this the right way in the way that they built it up. So all around the stadium stuff has been good news. And I really do hope that it's going to be a situation like we saw in Loudoun or like you see in Phoenix rising where one week, there's nothing three, four weeks later, you see the stadium and then six, two more weeks after that, you're ready to walk in and sit down and enjoy a game. So. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the, to the next thing that, 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 that was released and this isn't necessarily directly a red wolves announcement but it's kind of a big deal and that said um odd story brewing company is once again going to be releasing the red wolf ale and they're having a special can release this thursday um this episode will release on wednesday of of this week so tomorrow uh you can head down to odd story for uh, that can release it's a limited edition um can release you have some more information on that 
soccer chat will be there. I believe it's going to be released at 4 p.m. Uh, you'll be able to buy cans, uh, you know, four pack cans the rest of the evening there. And I believe there is a special discount. All right. Free koozie with a four pack. And if you are a mug club member, you get 50% off your first four pack purchase. Excellent. And what is, do you know what their mud mug club is? I would assume it's some kind of uh, frequent buyer thing, but I don't know. Well, with the help of the internet and the oddstorybrewing.co website, I got a little bit more information. So the Mug Club has um, a bunch of different tiers. Uh, the lowest tier is 49 bucks, includes a 20-ounce mug, um, filled for the price of a pint at every visit. I get a t-shirt, it's valid for a year, renewal cost is another 50 bucks. Um, the next tier up is 100 bucks. includes that same mug, um, same deal with the um, the refill on the mug, same t-shirt. You also get a growler, and your first fill is free. You get a sticker, pint glass, discount growler refills. Um, you get new package releases, and that's valid for a year. And then their top tier, which is kind of interesting, is includes all those same perks, but you get the gift set for of, of three pint glasses, um, and it's valid for a year. But that one, you only have to renew at 75 bucks. Um, and so that's kind of cool. Uh, and it's uh, valid also for, for one year. So overall, a, a pretty cool, a pretty cool deal there, especially if you enjoy, um, kind of craft brew and such, it might be worth looking at when you go check out the Red Bulls, uh, ale. What I know is I am going to be there and I believe there's a possibility. I can't guarantee anything, but I believe there's a possibility that some players, maybe Coach Obleda would be there. Uh, so you may have a chance to run into some folks of the Red Wolf family. Uh, the beer itself is delicious. And, uh, and, and so I, it's definitely worth going to check out. And I do want to remind those that have kids, this is a 21 and up establishment. Um, so. If you've got kids, find the find somebody to watch them. Um, the the event actually does run from four to ten. Um, that's why my wife and I are trying to decide: is it just me going, or are we going to have someone watch the the kiddos so she can join? I will be there as well, um, but uh, hopefully April will join me, and we can kind of enjoy ourselves while we're down there and pick up some of that Red Bulls Irish style red air. So the other thing is. Today, as you're listening, because this is being released on a Wednesday, part of the PAC supporter group is going to be meeting at the downtown retail store on Broad Street to do some painting of banners. So if you want to get to know some folks that are associated with the pack and see what the supporter group is about and what we're trying to create as far as atmosphere at Red Wolf matches... Uh, come on by. It's from six to nine at that downtown retail store and uh, help us paint some banners. So is this just going to be like a drop in type thing? So if people are, you know, as you're able to show up. Yeah, it's a drop in. I don't want to I don't want to, uh, you know, chain people to the desks if they have to leave early, things like that. I know the U.S. Women's National Team is going to be kicking off against Japan. So if you have to leave early, that's fine. If you can't get there till a little bit later, come on and, uh, like I said, hang out with us, do a little bit of painting, just see what's up, and uh, meet some of the folks that are part of the pack. Awesome. All right, and so we've somewhat buried the lead on this a little bit. Uh, the biggest kind of thing that we've been talking about throughout you know, running up, like, when are they going to do some of the events they did last year, right? Well, they can't do a a a reveal of the um, symbol again, right? That's just that's what it is. But the thing that we we all I mean, see freak every, I mean, they could do a redesign, I guess. I mean, Chicago did, <laughs> um, but every year you typically will get a jersey reveal, and they've announced the jersey reveal party on social media at least uh, for this upcoming Saturday. Um, Season ticket holders get in at 5.30 uh, and then uh, open to the general public at 6.30. So that's exciting. 
So it's going to be at Freight Waves, which is on Market Street, uh, right across the street from where Taco Mac is. Uh, they are a uh, one of the sponsors of Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, so it's really cool that they allow the kind of downstairs area that they have to be a place for this. Going to be food provided by Texas Roadhouse and Gigi's Cupcakes. And, of course, Odd Story is going to be there uh, providing beer. So that is all free to folks who come to hang out. Uh, and we'll get to see what the new uh, what the new jersey is going to look like. I've got my fingers crossed for the Rusty the Red Wolf themed jersey that I designed. I am I am openly rooting against that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me uh yeah speaking of that let's let's go down that road a little bit what what would you like to see that if you could pick one thing from last year's jersey to bring back as kind of a running theme and then one uh-huh. thing that you would like to not ever see back what are those things i'm throwing this kind okay of- well let's say they bring back sleeves no, um, I I wasn't really a huge fan of the two tone, um, on the red or like the kind white. Of the way that the I had really on either, you know, it was the red and then a little bit darker red. Um, they were just very plain. I I would say go ahead and take a risk and do something bold, and uh, be a little outlandish and stand out. Okay, um, the one thing I would like to see them continue is and and they somewhat referenced this before but that darker red that they had on the sleeve i'd like them to make that primary on this next yeah. jersey like make that the red that we see so we can really differentiate ourselves from toronto and richmond who are the most prominent reds i mean yes texas uses them too but not as much like uh i just i want to really differentiate and that dark dark cinnamon like red which is more similar to what's in the Rusty the Red Wolf costume. Um, that's uh-huh. what I'd like to see more of in that in that home jersey. And then the thing I would like to not ever see them do again is the split color jersey on the sleeve. Like the red and white half sleeve thing. At first, I thought I liked it. And then I saw it in person. was like, ooh, no, I don't like this. Um, where they had like only half of the sleeve was red. It just looked weird. I don't want them to do that again. Yeah, they're yeah they're away jersey with the half red. I that that wasn't the best. No, I agree with that. Yeah, so I'd like for that to not come back. But all right, okay. So this is a great spot for us to stop. I think um, when we come back on the other side of this break, we have an interview with Greg Hurst that I am very excited about, and I think you guys will enjoy. And then we've got some uh, things about the uh, world soccer and uh, women's soccer and such to talk about. And so uh, stay around for the second half for the interview with Greg Hurst and uh, more. So we are here live with forward Greg Hurst of the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, we're very thankful for you to come on and join us, Greg. Thanks very much for having me on. All right, Greg, we're going we're gonna to jump kind of right in with just some questions that I think might be of, of interest. And the first thing is, how did you hear about the Red Wolves and what brought you to the team last year? Um, it was actually through a player I played with back home. Um, he was a friend and a ex teammate of Colin Falvey. Um, and they, I think Colin was asking about players over in Scotland that he thought maybe could fit the bill over here. Um, and he recommended me. Um, so it kind of came about that way. Um, took a wee while to get everything sorted and come over because of the different transfer windows, um, and the different regulations. But, um, after everything got sorted, um, it was pretty much plain sailing after that. So as you were doing your research about Chattanooga Red Wolves and uh, considering the opportunity, what was the most attractive part of coming to America and coming to play for the Chattanooga Red Wolves? 
I think it was it was perfect timing for me. Um, I kind of left a full time club just before it. I was looking for a fresh start, um, and I don't think there's any more of a fresh start than moving continent to come play football. Um, and after looking, um, and doing a bit of research, the Red Wolves, I seen a lot of investment was getting put in, a lot of players getting signed up, um, a lot of experience as well. And I felt like it would be a good opportunity to go and be a part of something new and a part of something big as well. Excellent. So for our listeners that maybe this will be their first year coming to coming to a game, didn't get a chance to see you much last year, um, how would you describe your style of play and what you see as your role within the team? Um, I think my style of play is it's a lot about attacking, um, getting forward, using my pace creating and scoring goals um, and the way we want to play this year is defending from the front as well so that's going to have to be a big part um, something that we're working on massively um, that's starting to come together um, but mainly just it's more as a team this year I think you know we're a lot a lot together um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see how well we do this year so uh, Greg, are you are you Rangers? Are you Celtic? Are you a different team in the Scottish Premier League? Um, I'm gonna. I'm a Rangers man myself. A Rangers man. Okay. So, what yeah. classic Ranger player do you think you would most identify your style of play with? That's that's a tough one, actually. Um, I think. Oh, that's a very difficult question. <laughs> if you want to broaden it out to maybe someone that plays in Europe as well. Um, I don't want to compare myself to anybody that's playing at the top level. Um, but uh, if it was to be a Rangers player that I'd like to play like, it would probably be Ryan Kent. Um, very quick, very skillful. Um and in Europe, I think my favorite player right now has to be Mbappe. Excellent. Yeah, you don't really want to say you're Mbappe, but you can make him your favorite player, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so going along that same lines, do you have like a favorite Premier League or uh, a uh, team somewhere else in Europe? Um, Manchester United are a team that I've followed since I was younger. Um. Along with Rangers, that was one of the first teams I went to go see um, at Old Trafford. Um, and that's kind of stemmed through my, my dad as well. But following them, and when I was a little bit younger, it was more enjoyable than it was, or it is just now anyway. I'm really enjoying him right now. I'm just going to say that as an Arsenal fan. I'm perfectly happy with how Manny plays. <laughs> as long as you're not a Liverpool fan, then that's okay. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're in agreement on that. We can equally hate them. Um, Perfect. So you joined the team kind of late last year. Um, what was it like coming to that new team, coming in the middle of the season as they were really in dire need of an attacking player and hoping to kind of go on a run and try to reach the playoffs? Um, what was that experience like for you coming to the Red Wolves? Um, I think to begin with, it was quite overwhelming. Um, changing scenery, changing weather, changing style of play. Um, trying to adapt to the heat and the humidity um, having not had a pre-season um, and coming straight into a, a season that's coming towards the end so a lot of players are at their fittest um, I had to quickly get fit which was difficult but enjoyed that side of it uh, I felt like there was a little bit of pressure to come in and do well because the team was pushing for the playoffs which has never really been a problem for me I'd, and, you know, I think you have to expect to have to play under pressure when you're playing professional soccer. Mm. But I think I enjoyed just how welcomed I was into the team. You know, there was never any settling in period. I felt like I came in and settled in pretty quickly. Um, and that's a big thanks to a lot of the players that were here. Um, unfortunately, we obviously didn't make the playoffs when it came down to the last day. I think it was kind of, it was very unlucky for us. Uh, I think we were a better team than a couple that got into the playoffs. But I suppose the only thing that we can do is go and rectify that this year um, and make sure we're in one of those playoff positions. 
So as you look at this new season with the new coach and a lot of new players, how would you say the atmosphere is different this year as opposed to when you came in last year? Um, it's, on the field, it's a lot more difficult when you're bringing in a lot of new players to kind of get the chemistry straight away. That does take time. Um, but the changing room and the atmosphere around everybody seems to be very together. Everybody's in it with each other. Um, there's no cliques or anything in the team. Everybody's just all together for this season. Um, and I think that will stand us in good stead, especially when times get a little bit difficult during the season. If we go on a poor run or we're struggling for results, I think that's going to help us massively. So looking at the at the league, do you guys take a look and do you kind of look at certain teams that you're saying, okay, this is going to be one of our our biggest uh, competition or are you just kind of looking at yourselves right now or have you done any of that at all? I think preseason is all about getting ourselves set up the way we want to play. Um, I think we need to focus more on us being a bigger team or being a team that people fear playing. Um, obviously, before games, we will look into other teams and see what their strengths and weaknesses are to help us throughout the game. But teams will be doing that to us as well. So we just need to make sure that we're a team that people look at on the fixture list and say, that's going to be a very difficult game. Okay, so I'm going to change the change pace a little bit here on you. Uh, so it's it's not a, an unknown thing that I have stated frequently that you're my favorite of the offensive players that we've got. Um, I went to a college where our our, our uh, mascot or whatever we were called the Scott, so I had a lot of Scottish stuff already at the house. Uh, and then my last name is Bruce, and I did like the whole heritage thing, and I actually do come like historically family from Scotland on both sides. So I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow this guy's gonna be the the guy that I follow. So I asked my kids before, when I told them we were going to be interviewing you, and I said, hey, is there anything you'd want me to ask ask Greg when we interview him? And my daughter had an excellent question. She's like, you know, he's got a really strong accent for us to understand. What things have you struggled with when you're in America, in the South? Have there been any sayings or things in this, in the, that a Southern person said to you that's caught you off guard or you haven't, I haven't understood? Um, first of all, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Um... Second of all, there's there is a few things, mainly soccer related. First of all, soccer being the main one. Obviously I call it football. Um and when you score over here, if they say upper ninety, that's like a top corner for us. Um so like little football relevant stuff was hard to understand at first. Um but a lot of the sayings and phrases over here are pretty similar to back home. Um, and it's a really easy accent to understand. I actually feel, I feel sorry for people having to listen to me um, and how different my accent is over here. So just going along that with your um, coming here from Scotland, would you say that uh, January and February have been kind of a typical Scottish summer? Uh, yeah, I think very similar. Um, my dad keeps <laughs> telling me he looks out over the weather um, and he says that sometimes it's hotter back home than it is here uh, but this place makes up for it in the summer definitely so if uh, if you if so following up I got one more question from the kids I got three of them and they all had questions uh, <laughs> so my son's obsessed with soccer and um, it's he's a little guy he's six years old but literally he's in the backyard constantly playing but he asks, he's like, well, ask him if he didn't play soccer, what would he play? So what's your sport if you're not playing if you're not playing football, as you would say? Uh, it has to be golf for me. I'm a massive golf fan. Um, I try and play it a lot in the summer. Uh, and I've noticed there's a lot, of, a lot of courses round about here that I'm going to try and get myself a, a set of clubs over here and start playing. I know there's a couple of boys in the team that like golf as well, but if I couldn't play football, it would definitely be golf. So you talked about um, wanting to try and check out some of the golf courses in town. Since you've been here, what's been your favorite thing to do in Chattanooga on your off days or off time? Honestly, it's just been able to have the freedom to walk around in the nice weather, you know, go for coffees. There's a lot of spots to go for lunch, um, spend a lot of my free time with uh, a few of the players 
um, like Stephen Beatty, Alex Mangles. Um, just that whole kind of social vibe is really good about this place. It's something that's probably not as prominent back home, but over here it's really nice to just go out and chill out. Um, I don't try not to be too active on days off and after training just, you know, to help recover. But I know there's a lot of nice places to go and hike, um, like Lookout Mountains, really nice. But usually just socialising and meeting people here because the nicest people I've ever met, I think. Which, Alex, that makes sense because neither of us are actually from here for him to think yeah. people from here are nice. Well, no, and he really <laughs> hasn't spent that much time around me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, there was doing some research for this. Um, I looked up two things that, that were like things never asked a, Scottish, a Scotsman. And things that a Scotsman can't say. And so I'm going to ask you one of the questions I'm not supposed to ever ask you, which is, do you actually like haggis? Yeah, I do like haggis. <laughs> Don't, I, I will never understand that. After I found out what was in it, I was like, there's no way people actually like that. <laughs> yeah, I've actually, I, in my old job, I used to make it when I worked in a butcher's when I was at school. Um, and I didn't eat it for about two years after that, but I do like it. Do you deep fry it at least? Um, not really. No, you can okay. have it deep fried, and it's just as nice. All right, and then the thing that they said that uh, Scotsman can't say is an Irish wristwatch, which I struggle to say. Irish wristwatch. Yeah, that is quite hard actually. I think you pulled that off beautifully, and Adam completely stumbled on it. So <laughs> I, I struggled. Like as saying, I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna be able to say this. The other one was the name Carl, which is apparently something that would struggle. Carl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started doubting myself there actually before I even said it. <laughs> See, this is the problem with the internet videos. Like the person I'm watching trying to say that on the internet videos, she could not for the life of her get it done. I was like, I don't know if I should ask him this because I don't want to embarrass him. And then him never. No, I think if I think if you'd asked me that last year, um, I probably wouldn't have been able to say it. But I've had to work quite a bit on, you know, slowing down, pronouncing my words a little bit better, so that people can understand me over here. So you talk about hanging out with BD. Is there any kind of issues between the Irish and the Scottish talking with each other and being able to have an understanding? Um, funnily enough, he struggles to understand me quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I just think, I think the accent's a wee bit too thick for him. Um, but there is sometimes when he says something and I'm just, I have no idea what he said. Um, but they kind of, our banter and stuff similar, so that's why we kind of clicked straight away and we got on really well. Excellent. All right, well, uh, I... Alex, do you have anything else before we, we let him go? No, I don't have any others. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's great to uh, get to know you, and uh, good luck in this coming season. Thanks very much, and thanks very much for having me on as well. I've really enjoyed it. All right, that was awesome. I can't express how happy I was to have Greg on and to get a chance to hear his perspective on being a Chattanooga Rebel for a second season and uh, his plans and hopes for the season as well. So thanks again to to Greg. So, now I guess it's time for us to turn to some of the other things that uh, that we planned for the second half of the show. We are going to take a look at the wide world of soccer uh, fairly quick because I still haven't eaten dinner yet. Um, so first thing we're going to talk about is uh, the She Believes Cup is happening now. The U.S. right now, two wins, uh, one over England. Was I think a three nil? Was it a three or two? The, it was a two nil. So they beat England two nothing. A one nothing win against Spain, and uh, they will be playing uh, Japan this evening. As you're listening to this on Wednesday. Yeah, that game starts at at eight um, seven central. For those of us listening in Nashville, um, and uh, yeah, it's a. I I watched the Spain game and I walked walked away. I slowly got up from my couch away from that game and thought I think the US is on the cusp of 
truly losing its dominance. And Spain looked really good. And my question to you is, is this a one-off where Spain's strong right now? or And this is the She Believes Cup, so it's not a huge deal? Or is it that the U.S. is starting to come back to the pack? Yeah, my first instinct is it's the She Believes Cup, and we're kind of in a in-between World Cup and Olympic year. So it may be that there's some folks they're trying, um, so, you know, some some ladies that they've brought on to try and see if maybe they want to give them uh, a roster spot in the Olympics as opposed to, you know, who they might normally select. Uh, if maybe they're just not quite as motivated, um, you know, if these teams are are rising up, someone like Spain is going to be a challenge in this upcoming Olympic tournament. I think that's all the better. You know, you think about women's college basketball and, you know, the University of Connecticut winning every game for like five or six years straight. And why would anyone bother to tune into women's basketball if we know that UConn's going to be the winner? So if there's someone who's going to really challenge and bring the best out of these U.S. women's players, I'm all for it. I'm going to root for them to win every time, but I'm all for them having that kind of challenge instead of it being just kind of a cakewalk all the way through all these international tournaments. So one of the things that I would kind of point out, I think it's safe to say that teams like Sweden, Spain, France, England, even the Netherlands, those like there's five or six that are right there as a B. I think the U.S. is still the A, you know, top of the top, but that yeah. that B is is closed the gap, and then it's a significant drop from there to the next level still. So we're not yet to the point of. I think your your analogy with women's college basketball was really good because every year there's two or three teams that will fight UConn or would during that time frame would be, would be there like your Stanford, um, you know, those type of Notre teams, Dame right? was one. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then the drop off from there to the next level to like a UGA or a Alabama or a North Carolina, even like that's a traditional men's team. That's pretty good in, in like North Carolina or, or Duke women uh, was significant. Um, and now it's, it's somewhat coming back. A little bit uh, but it's definitely doing the same thing on in the women's soccer I think you know as as England has improved its domestic um, offerings for women as um, you're seeing more and more leagues pop up across across Europe it's going to continue and that's why the focus for U.S. soccer has to be on getting that women's professional area right how do you make it sustainable on its own where people where it's creating a situation where people aren't going to want to go overseas or are going to be produced at the level that they are being supported in overseas areas. So that'll be interesting to see over the next, really over the next eight years. I think you could see a significant dramatic shift for women where is, does the U S league stand up against the ever growing leagues in England and in Spain and in Germany, mm -hmm. like, where does it stand? Because I that think that's going to have a significant impact on how long the U.S. gets to hold on to being that dominant force. But I think right now, I think it's still safe to say they're the A and there's a B below them. There's no one else in the A group. So let's look at some other things here uh, on the U.S. side. Um, MLS and USL are both kind of USL had its opening weekend this last weekend. MLS had its second weekend. Um, did you get get a chance to look at much MLS action? Do you do you want to talk about? Uh, not that I want to talk about. No, I'm <laughs> surprised with uh, the quality of Minnesota United two weeks in. Uh, two strong victories there. I believe it's either them or Sporting Kansas City that's leading the league in goals scored these first two weeks. Um, and so, you know, congrats to them. They they did a slow build and now they're reaping the benefits as a as a very strong. Yeah, they're leading the league in goals scored. They have eight in the first two weeks. Uh they had a, a like a five three or a five two crushing of San Jose this last weekend and of course beat my timbers. Um 
the you know joking about not wanting to talk about it the timbers had a must-win game against an expansion team on their home field and they played like a team whose sphincters were puckered as tight as they could possibly be and gritted out a soulless one nothing victory with a goal that they really didn't even deserve against the run of play and uh yeah that's that's where that is and it's not fun yeah so the other thing i wanted to kind of talk about because one of the things we talk about mls a lot of times that people focus on is what does it look like engagement with fans coming to games like getting people in and there is a uh mike pendleton on twitter who's fat seven deuce phat seven deuce does an mls attendance tracker he actually does a usl attendance tracker as well um, but one of the interesting things on this week's um, MLS attendance tracker is he keeps track of percentage full. And, you know, Atlanta United, everybody expects the first game of the season, they're going to have a big crowd. I don't think the impact um, of losing Joseph Martinez will start showing quite yet. Um, right. Seattle Sounders were surprisingly lower than they normally are. Uh, they were only 87% full for a, a a game on a Saturday night, which was surprising. Um but overall, everyone was. Well, I don't know. Were the uh, were the Seattle Dragons in town for the XFL? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I don't know if you're overall, a Homestar Runner fan, but those Seattle helmets, their logo looks like Trogdor. If anyone remembers Trogdor from Homestar Runner, that's early internet. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So, anyways, so he gives like a breakdown of this week, and then the MLS attendance averages. And I've decided my favorite thing on his breakdown is that he has put Nashville SC's 59,000 that a lot of people are saying about half of that was Atlanta fans versus their season average from USL. <laughs> and it, so the 2020 versus 2019 is a 743% increase, which is hilarious. Um, and it also kind of shows... I just hope they can sustain that. Well, the other thing... Yeah, good luck. Uh, the other thing that's interesting that it shows, though, and it, we t- I talked about this a little bit last season, I think, about how Nashville had a dip in attendance from 18 and 19 when the MLS team got announced. It's almost like, oh, well, we got our team. We don't need to go to these USL games. And they dropped from an average of 9,500 to 7,000 almost on the dot. 6,999. Like, one more guy. Come on. Uh, but that's an interesting thing. And that's something I reference a lot about Southern fans. Like you lose their interest. They will disappear on you quick. Um, but overall, all the numbers are pretty much in green. You're you know, you're looking at LA galaxies, positive Toronto, Orlando, your negatives are, like I said, Seattle standards are down 9% from their average last year. Um, and then a couple others that, that you kind of knew were going to have some bad, bad, a bad season, you know, new England revolutions down, San Jose Earthquakes are down. Colorado Rapids are down. Those are all teams that everyone kind of expected low things from. So it'd just be interesting. I, I find that he does such a wonderful job with that tracker. I wanted to call it out because I think it's a fun thing to look at. Sure. I find all attendance is a, uh, a measuring contest, if you will. No, it is, and there's going to be at some point somebody who starts taking pictures of empty seats and all that stupid stuff, and it is what it is. I mean, it's, but at the same time, if they consistently report the same way year over year, I think you can get something out of a year over year attendance tracker. Like if last year they did tickets distributed and this year they're doing tickets distributed or they did tickets sold versus tickets sold, as uh-huh. long as they're consistent, you can see, like you can't, it's hard to compare league versus league, right? You can't really compare you know, if Nisa is legitimately doing butts and seats and USL is doing tickets sold, that's not a fair comparison. But if if Nisa looks at butts and seats last year versus bucks and seats this year, you can see if there's a growth in the league. Um, same thing with USL sure. League One. If it's tickets sold last year, which I think is what it was, and not tickets distributed, but tickets sold, and this year you look at tickets sold, we can see how much of an impact did the stadium have. Like was there was the fact that I can get a beer at the game? Did that make an impact? So that's kind of uh-huh. what I get it on that. But I'll get off that high horse, and we can we can go on to actual <laughs> reactions of what happened on the field. 
Uh, that was really all the MLS I had. Um, I did some flipping around with USL Championship, especially Saturday night. Um, and uh, I was very impressed by Phoenix Rising, who, I mean, it's not too shocking. They were one of the top teams in the league last year, as well as having, uh, I think it was a 20-game win streak in the middle of the season. Um, they they just they came out and pushed Portland Timbers 2 around. Um, so that was impressive. And uh, had a Tim Hankinson sighting doing play-by-play commentary for San Antonio FC. So we figured out where he went off to. Um, so is and, he still uh, looking for head coaching? Do you know, or was he is I he transitioning no into broadcast? Um, what I do know is he sounded like a sleep story from the Calm app. <laughs> the the first goal of the year for San Antonio and his response was this incredibly monotone. That's exciting. <laughs> now I want now I'm gonna go back on ESPN Plus and yeah, find it's that. A, it's a clip it's a clip you want to find and grab and keep for us to use. Um, well not even not even for us to use. I just want to have that play for my son when he's trying to get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So finally, uh the other one uh Friday night I watched Orange County SC versus El Paso Locomotive and the one thing that struck me um in watching that game it may just be that it's the first game of the season but it was very sloppily played and I was watching them and the passes that were off target and the Giassi's artist first touches and, you know, the guys making the one dribble too many into the crowd and turning the ball over. I just it's funny in in USL championship how it swings so wildly between, say, a team like Phoenix Rising, who was just on the ball and moving it and looked really good. And these teams, all three independent clubs. And uh, I really felt like the Red Wolves could have played with either of those teams. Honestly, it's not just hmm. the, oh, these are MLS two teams that don't care. or They're playing only really, really young players. They were two independent squads that had, you know, players uh, that they signed. But like I said, I mean, you know, and it's it's not the sort of thing where I thought that necessarily we're going to win. Maybe maybe seven times out of 10, they beat Chattanooga Red Wolves. But it felt like a very similar quality uh, for those clubs that are there. So it was just interesting to me watching. Hmm. I wonder how many, how much are we going to see that? Like how often are we going to watch a game and think to ourselves, yeah, we could compete in that. Um, they, I can't wait for USL to follow through on what he has said they want, they're working on, which is that USL cup. Cause I think that would be a lot of fun more so than just the one and done open cup opportunity that you might get to play a USL championship. Like we get to play Birmingham, which is great. Yeah. Except Birmingham's, you know, really supposed to be pretty darn good this year. Um, so that's a little bit worrisome, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because it would be nice to make it past losing in the first round this year. But uh, I, an, op- an actual open, like, competition between the two leagues, I think, would be fun. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, what, 40-plus teams? And, yeah. and even if they only did the independents, you're still talking about, you know, close to 30 independent teams between the two leagues, that could be a lot of fun to watch. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, who knows what will happen, but that's kind of where, where I'm at is that I would like to see how, how do we really stack up. And Open Cup gives you a bit of an insight, but not a lot. Like, like I don't think it, Ford Madison made it a lot further than some USL championship teams last year. I don't think anyone's going to argue that Ford Madison team was better than a lot of USL championship teams. They just had a run. And they just got the right people, uh, the right teams they were playing. And uh, El Paso Locomotive was actually one of those teams that they beat. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that's the that's probably my biggest take is that I would like to, I would like for that to get here sooner rather than later, um, because I don't think we're going to get the pro rel stuff that's referenced a lot, but I do think we'll see that um, USL Cup become a thing, and that would be great. Agreed. So um, last. Last USL question for you, because this this happened over the last couple of weeks and we haven't talked about it. What do you think about Tim Howard 
becoming a coming out of retirement to play for his own team? Uh, I mean, it's what I would do. (laughs) If If I ever get to a point where I'm, you know, high up with a team, then I'm going to sign a 10 day contract and I'm going to play. I would like, I would like to see whenever they play the Las Vegas lights or they play San Diego loyal. I would like there to be a requirement that if you're a former um, U S national team player associated, whether coach or executive with the team, you're required to play in those games. I'm yeah. just saying that would be fun. So I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how much we're going to see him play. Did he play in the uh, kickoff against uh, oh, yeah. for with Memphis? Oh yeah. And he did. they lost, and... they lost four to two. So I think that should tell you a tiny bit about what that's going to look like. Yeah. He, uh, he had the worst um, rating of any player given ratings for goalkeepers that week. So that's all right. You're still my boy, Tim. All right, I guess it's time for our Biggleswade report. So, Biggleswade Town unfortunately fell on the road to Lowstoff Town, um, continuing just kind of a, a tough run for them, but uh, but it was a hard-fought two-one loss. Um, so, uh, so congrats to them. Keep fighting, uh, Chris Nunn. We're with you here in America. Uh, Biggleswade FC had a very exciting. Um, it was a one-one game. They had a penalty that they took get saved, and they scored the rebound to take the go-ahead in the final minutes. I believe that was in stoppage time. And then also huge week for Biggleswade United. Uh, the Beds Charity Cup or the South Beds Charity Cup. They ended up winning that game three to two. All three goals. Ali Bangura with a hat trick. I shared uh, the highlight. All three of those goals. Um, just kind of gave a, a little mention to Chattanooga Red Wolves in case they're doing any scouting. Um, and uh, so congrats to them. They are going to be in the final of that tournament. And then they also had a very exciting finish. They scored a goal in stoppage time, and then they saved a penalty in stoppage time in order to wow. win their league game. And they are right now tied on points with second place. So they've got a chance to be in the promotion playoff in order to go up the next level, which would put the Biggleswade Derby in play. That would put them in the same league as Biggleswade FC. So fingers crossed. Good luck to Biggleswade United. I think they've got the best chance at promotion of any of the Biggleswade teams. That is the uh, Biggleswade report. And that's all I got. That's all you got? No, I got nothing left. I'm, I'm going to go eat some pizza. All right. Well, before you get out of here to do that, I do want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scars, official scar supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scars for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. As well as our newest sponsor, Icarus FC. If you're tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league, squad, adult, or even pro team, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Y'all have a wonderful day, night, whatever you're at, whenever you're listening. Hopefully it's on Wednesday, so all our references to today and tomorrow make sense. Bye.